the Omicron wave. And so already looking online, and I see there's a lot of you guys with us online. Uh, we've got, you know, singles here. We've got married people. We've got married with kids. When you get sickness with married with kids, man, that, it just goes right? Because everybody takes their turn. And, and, and you're like, nope, I'm last man standing. I'm going to be fine. And, and that's kind of what happened to our family. We got, uh, we, we had Christmas Eve, which was awesome. We had Christmas Day, which was great. And then we went and saw my parents and, and they, they got the kids some presents and they got us COVID. Uh, and so it was great. Um, and so went through that uh, going into the new year. And I just want to personally thank uh, Curtis Hall for stepping up last week uh, and preaching on like 48 hours notice. Uh, did an awesome job bringing good news. And so what we're going to do today um, is spend uh, just a few minutes um, looking at who we are as a church, who we want to be uh, moving forward here into 2022. And so if you have your Bibles, like normally we're in a book of the Bible today, we're going to be in two main spots. First off is Hebrews chapter 12. You can turn there if you want to. And then we'll be here there for a couple minutes just to give us a, a gospel foundation and then we're going to spend the rest of our time uh, in Psalm 63. And I'm looking through my notes. I got a lot more read there, which is lots of Bible verses. So we'll have a few other things going on. And so um, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. And, and I just, this is just some verses that I ruminate on at the beginning uh, of each year over the last several years. And I just want this to, to set the tone for us as we begin to, to think about what it means to be um, uh, Christians says this, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 in Hebrews. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So before we think about vision for the rest of the year, I want us to, to begin with this idea that if you are in Christ, if your identity is in Jesus, if you claim allegiance to the God of the Bible, that whether you want to, to know it or not, there's an aspect of you that you are a runner. And, and I know like some of you don't like running. I, I injured my knee, and so I haven't been able to run, and it, it makes my, my soul sad because I, I believe that, that we're made to run. And this is what he's talking about here. Um, the author of Hebrews is this idea that for most of us, apathy becomes very easy. Apathy is, is so easy because it requires no effort. But the consequences of apathy are merely diluted affections. Because apathy robs us of the opportunity to actually have the abundant life that Jesus wants for us. So like me not being able to run recently, I'm pointing to my knee because it's still a little injured. Like it's robbed me of some, some great joy. And, and so um, apathy, um, it means that we find ourselves pursuing comfort rather than being propelled forward with, let me be clear, grace-fueled effort. Okay, we're not religious. We don't believe that if, if we do these things, then God is happy with us. We're, we're gospel people. We believe God has accomplished all that he needs to for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But the response of that should not be a sit back in apathy, but should be to actually in, engage. And, and I love the, the language here because um, some of you are maybe thinking about, you know, as he's talking, running a race, right? You're thinking about some sort of like inspirational poster, right? With like the one runner going up the hill by himself. 
Okay, that, that makes a really cool photo, but if you ever ran by yourself, you know it's terrible, right? It's terrible to run by yourself. It's terrible to do almost anything by yourself, right? And so I love that as he's talking about a race, it is not an individual one. He says, we're surrounded by, by past witnesses, past saints who've gone before us. We are surrounded, whether in person or online, right, around other Christians presently today. And Lord willing, by the faithfulness of the gospel and God's mission to all nations and to the next generation, we're talking about future saints who know and love Jesus, that are all part of the same team, all running the same race. He says we're part of a team, a holy heritage. It's not, there's, there's actually, if you read it again, you don't need to, but there is no individual language in this verse. In these verses at all, right? It says, no, um, since therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, brothers and sisters who've ran before us, let us lay aside sin. Let us run the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of who? Our faith, something we hold together. We don't run alone, but we do run. And in these verses, he talks about this race, right? Um, he said, but there are some things that keep us from running faithfully. He talks about sin that weighs us down, that keeps us from running our race properly, that keeps us from being who God has designed us and desire us to be. It keeps us separated from the source of life and of strength and, and of joy. He says, because of sin, we grow weary and our resolve begins to, to wane. And so, as Christians, we can be free to, to run without fear, without fear of condemnation, because there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because our race is won, because Jesus has already ran it for us. He's already ran the race for us, perfectly obedient, on the cross, he, and it says here that, that what motivated Jesus wasn't apathy. What drove him to action was joy joy set before him, the joy of saving his people, the joy of enduring the wrath that we all deserve for sin, the joy of self-sacrificially purchasing his people from slavery, the joy of being in our place for us, the joy of conquering death, the joy of resurrection, the joy of being seated, it says, at the right hand of the Father. It was joy that drove Jesus to despise our shame and to give us life. And so as we look at 2022, and we kind of begin our year, and, and maybe you're like, begin our year, that we're on the 9th. I've already stopped reading my Bible. I've already like eaten carbs. Like I, everything that I resolved a week ago is over. Well, let's, let's just kind of reset and, and recognize that because Jesus has run the race for us, that we can embody, I believe, three key characteristics in 2022 that I think is going to help us be a healthier church. It's going to help us have greater joy. It's going to help us to endure in a world that I, I believe is continuing to be crazy. Does anybody think that the world, after at least two years of total craziness, is ready to sober up anytime soon? No. So we better be ready to engage. So three key words I want you to hold on to for 2022. Three words that are going to be our prayers and our priorities as a church for 2022 that's going to help set the culture for us. These three words are this. You can write them down if you want. They'll be um, on the notes too. I want us to be rooted, to be resolved, and to be resting. Rooted, resolved, resting. 
And, and we don't just get this from anywhere, right? We, we get this from the Bible, right? This is, this is how we want to see um, ourselves be shaped this year. And, and we're going to look specifically at Psalm 63. So if your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 63. This is kind of our, our key text. The, the, the first, you know, six, seven minutes, that was just intro. That was, that was free. That was, I didn't preach last week, so you're kind of getting a bonus sermon this week. Okay, here you go. Psalm 63 says this. So we look at part one, being rooted because Christ is in us. We can be rooted because Christ is in us. Psalm 63, one and two says this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Look at these verses. We should be asking ourselves, you should ask yourself going into this year, why am I thirsty? Why, why are we thirsty? Why do we find ourselves weak and weary? Why are we anxious and angry? And it's because we are in a dry and weary land where there is no water, but we don't act like it. Right? We act like there's water all around us everywhere in the world. Right, Everything that the world is giving us, that's what's going to quench my thirst. And we look at this world to, to disciple us, to encourage us, to give us a sense of hope and belonging, because, because we want these things. Right? We want encouragement. We want belonging. We want hope. It's not wrong to crave those things because you and I are made to be dependent people. We are not made to be independent. And so we look around at the world in kind of a desert, and we say, oh, this will refresh me, this will sustain me, this will satisfy me, and, and all we find ourselves is being more thirsty, more weary, more, more weak, and, and I think the, the desert metaphor is a strong one in here, right? Because it's this idea that, that we're searching for an oasis, we're in a place where, where we don't have refreshment, where we feel like we're wandering, where we feel disconnected. But that's a hard one for us, right? Particularly here in the Northwest, right? It's really hard to think desert, right? I mean, it's like the first time I've seen the sun, I think, this year, right? So think about it this way. Think about being adrift in an ocean. Not on a lake. Lakes are great. Love lakes. Think about being adrift on an ocean, away from land. And the sun beats down, and you're isolated, and you get thirsty. And you look around, and you're like, there's water everywhere! But what happens if you take a drink? Right? It's salt water. Right? It doesn't satisfy it. It makes you more thirsty. It actually harms your body. It leads you more dehydrated than when you started. That's what I believe life in the world is like often. Where we are looking around and we say, oh my gosh, there's so many things to, to entertain me. So many things to, to give me pleasure. So many things to encourage me. So many, so many causes to care about. So many things to, to fear and, and, and fight against. And we're just drinking big cups of salt water and wondering, why am I not refreshed? Why am I still thirsty? And so... We drink that salt water and it only makes us more thirsty. And so if we're going to be rooted, we need to go to where the good water is. The author of Psalm 63, he, he says, God, you are my God. I might be in the dry and weary land, but you're my God. You're the one who's going to refresh. You're the one who's going to give me life. I need refuge. I need rest in the desert. 
I need safe harbor in the ocean. I need to make sure that this raft goes from ocean to like a freshwater river quick. Otherwise, I'm going to faint. And so he says he goes to where the good water is. He says, I've looked at you. Verse 2, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary. He's saying, God, I've seen where you dwell. God, I'm aware of your presence in my life. In ways, I, God, I, I didn't see you before, but God, now I see you are here. You are active. You are working. I've experienced your power. I've beheld your glory. So he confesses, God, you are where life is. You are where refreshment is. You are where renewal is going to be found. You are the one who can empower life in a dry and weary land. He's saying, God, I need to be rooted in you if I'm going to be refreshed. If you know the beginning of the book of Psalms, the the first uh, verses in in Psalm 3, sorry, 1, verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The the psalmist in in, in Psalm 1 is talking about somebody who is rooted in the Lord, who is rooted in God's word, to be be rooted as like a a fruit tree. So, hey, we've got so many metaphors. Wow, we got desert, we got ocean, now we're at a fruit tree. We've been on fruit tree, fruit tree. So if we're going to be a fruit tree that produces life, it better be rooted where there's water. And the idea of a fruit tree is, is not one that's isolated out in the field by itself, but it's the idea of an orchard. That if we're a church of people who are rooted, that means that our church is an orchard. That, that our roots are connected together, that, 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 that together we're stronger, that together um, we are producing more fruit, life-giving joy that tastes good. And so we need to be rooted where there's other trees. And so, Psalm 1 is talking about the idea of being rooted in the water he's talking about is God's word. And so as we begin our year, and we think about 2022, I want you to ask yourself, how am I going to be rooted in God's word in 2022? How this year, maybe you're like, I started the Bible in a year plan, man, I didn't make it very far, I'm worried about getting to Leviticus in the middle of February. Like, I'm a little little concerned about that, right? Like, take a break. Take a breath. For some of us, doing the Bible in a year plan, that's awesome. For some of you, it's going to be meditating on one verse every day for a week. Or that same verse for a month. What are you going to do in 2022 to be intentionally rooted in God's Word? The best Bible reading plan, the best one by far, is the one that you're going to do. Is the one that you're actually going to do. So so make a plan. Be intentional. Like like actually spend time in God's word to be refreshed, right? I mean, here they're they're saying that this tree is planted by streams of living water with this orchard. And so part of that too means how are you going to be rooted with God's people? Are, Are you going to be part of a small group for the first time? Are you going to commit to actually gather, you know, at, you know, three, four Sundays a month, right? You know, what, what are you going to do to be around God's people? Are you going to be, begin serving with God's people? It's like, hey, well, how can we, you know, how can we help in kids? How can we greet people with hospitality? How can we make beautiful music together with the band? Like, what's going to be your thing in 2022 that, that helps intentionally root you in a relationship with God's people? Jesus 
He says to the woman at the well in John 4, 13 through 14, he says to this woman who's coming for water, and, and you know, this is this intentional thing she would do to, to refresh, right? Because you, know, you have to go to the well. You got to go to the well to get water back in the day, right? Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternity. We can be rooted because Christ is in us. Jesus is saying, I'm the water. I'm living water. I'm in you. So it's not, okay, well, I went to church Got a little refreshed. Okay, maybe, maybe on Wednesday I'll read my Bible for a second. And, and, and like, you're just taking little sips of water, you know, when you're getting super parched, like you're fasting from water, right? You ever read about fasting? No, you don't fast from water because we need water to live. Jesus says, I'm what you need to live. And if your life is with Jesus, then he is in you through the Holy Spirit. That means that you are going to be constantly refreshed. You're going to be a spring of living water. Be rooted. Be rooted in God's word. Be rooted with God's people, but mostly be rooted because you know that Christ is in you. Galatians 2.20 says it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We can be rooted because Christ is in us. You may be in a dry and weary land where there is no water, but if you have Christ in you, it doesn't matter because you've got that spring of water in you. You won't be searching for external sources. You'll know that no matter how barren the exterior is, that you are being rooted in a rich well of Christ in you. That brings us to our second word, resolved. We're resolved because Christ is for us. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. We need to be resolved. And I know that's a hard word because you're thinking, oh man, I've already failed in my New Year's resolutions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a little bit of, of steadfastness, a little bit of stick a little bit of, of resolve, understanding that, yeah, I'm a tree, I'm rooted, we're in the orchard, but man, there are still storms coming. I want to be an oak. I want to be an oak that, that my roots are deep and, and I'm with other trees so that when the storms come, when the winds come, we're not knocked over, we're not carried over. You don't want to be a tumbleweed, right? Just phew, gone. No, be an oak. And, and with that, I mean, just a, a little bit of resolve, right? The, the, the word resolve means to endure being uncomfortable for the purposes of a greater reward. That we recognize that we're not home yet. Yeah, we're, guys, we're still in a bit of the dry and weary land. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be rooted. We're going to endure. We're going to run our race well in a world that has rejected God and is actively opposed to his rule and reign. I'll repeat what I just said a few minutes ago. Does anyone think the world's ready to sober up? No, there's going to be some crazy in 2022. 
in, in a world that has been sprinting away from, from the Lord since, since the garden, really, isn't done yet. And so if you find yourself 100% comfortable with every proclamation from the government, every news story, everything you're told to be afraid of, every new trend in sociology, and you're like, yeah, I'm all in. You might want to ask yourself, if you are so comfortable with everything the world is selling, are you actually being resolved, or have you just jumped in a river and you were just flowing on your way to a waterfall of destruction? I don't want to be harsh about that stuff. I mean, guys, uh, uh, myself, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of you did too. And in the Pacific Northwest, we, we, we don't get to, to pretend and mourn the end of Christendom. We don't get to pretend that we're in a post-Christian culture. If you grew up in the Pacific Northwest, you were in a never-was-Christian culture, right? You know, you're, some of you from Texas, right? Meemaw goes to church. You know, Meemaw is a Christian. Well, hey, here, Meemaw was a Wiccan, Okay? This is the Northwest. And so, like, if you're from here, if this is where God has called us to be, this is where God has you right now, then let's not pretend it's going to get any easier to be a Christian in the next year than it was the year before, or the year before that, or the year before that. There's going to be constant pressure to call good evil and call evil good. And we see these trends sometimes play out in the church where deconstruction is trending, devotion is waning, doubt is winning. I want us to be resolved. And, and, and we don't have to be steadfast and resolved because we're the tough ones. Now what does it say here in, in Psalm 63? He says, because God of your steadfast love is better than life. We can be resolved not because we're steadfast, but because God's character doesn't change. Because God's goodness doesn't end. Because God's mercy is greater than our sin. And so we can be people who are resolved, not because of our faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness in our place. To be resolved in the face of resistance, I believe, is an act of worship to our God. But don't, don't hear me wrongly. Because, right, some of us have been hurt by church. Some of us have been hurt by other Christians. Some of us struggle with doubt at different moments. Doubt is okay. Don't fear if you have doubt. Doubt should be wrestled with. We all, we all have doubts. If, if you doubt, you're not alone. But we are resolved to be rooted in God's love, God's word, feeding our faith. I want to ask yourself, when your places of doubt, in your places of deconstruction, in your places of, of, of kind of wrestling, are you feeding your faith or are you feeding your fear? Are, are, you, are you rooted in God's word or are you fostering discontentment? And, and I want to be clear about deconstruction because um, that's a broad term. That might be a whole sermon series. I, I know later we're going to get into First Peter this year. Maybe we'll talk about some of that a little bit more. Deconstruction is not always a bad word. Right? Um, my, my counselor and coach that I was talking with last week, I, I brought up deconstruction. He goes, well, deconstruction, if it's done right, is repentance. Turning from sin to what is right and good. I think our problem, and our problem should never be with deconstruction, but what are you tearing down and what are you hoping to build in its place? Like, demo day is fun, but if you don't have a plan, you went from like, oh, my bathroom wasn't stylish to now I don't have a working bathroom. Okay, that's not progress. 
deconstruction that's driven by repentance. That was wrong. We shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't treat each other that way. This is, I'm going to repent of that. And go, that's, that's life-giving. Deconstruction, repentance that leads to reformation, that's life-giving. That's the wrestling I want us to, to have, is to not, when you're discontent, when you're in doubt, and when you're in deconstruction, that's a call for repentance. That's a call for renewal. That's a call for reconstruction. But you better have a vision and some discernment of what needs to be rejected and what needs to be corrected, what needs to be preserved and embraced. To be resolved is to have zeal for the beauty and, and truth of Jesus. I love that word zeal. Um, one of my favorite bands is a band called King's Kaleidoscope, and they have an album called Zeal, and, and they wrote it after a period of deconstruction, and, and, and the band said this about their album. It just, uh, I'll read it to us because I think it, it kind of hits this idea of zeal and resolve and deconstruction. Uh, they said this, we wrote zeal longing to escape the echo chamber of deconstruction and spiritual bitterness. Tearing down religious chains and navigating hypocrisy is essential, but also endless. What was underneath the pain and frustration, a desperate need for the light, for Jesus. For too many of us were talking about God and never meditating on Scripture, sharing our doubts and never praying for faith. We were the hypocrites we couldn't stand. Zeal, talking about their album, but talking about zeal, burst into the world a year and a half ago full of confession, repentance, and I love these words, hope and elation. We can fight the same fight for childlike faith every day. Nothing has changed. We need the same truth, the same call to wonder and belief. If you're wrestling with doubt, if you're, if you're deconstructing things that need to be deconstructed, I pray that the answer doesn't lead you to apathy and despair, but it leads you to zeal and what they're talking about there, that childlike faith. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. So I want you to ask yourself as we think about being resolved, who's discipling you? Are you being, we're all being discipled by something or someone. Is it whatever's trending on Twitter? Is it, is it something through social media? Is it like your latest guru or psychologist? Or is it, is it God's word? Let God's word be what shapes you and roots you and leads you to be more resolved. Recognizing that there's a place for, I'm gonna say a word that might be bad for us, but discipline. Not discipline like punishment, but discipline like, like direction that's to produce growth. Hebrews 12, 11, 13 talks about it this way. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping heads and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be, he says, healed. That's the goal of discipline, Again, not punishment. Like y yesterday, I actually followed my physical therapist's directions, um, which you should do if you have a doctor. You know, all those things. you should do what they say. And, and like he, he green-lighted me to run again, and I was super excited. And then he told me, you get to run again, 
at 15 to 20 second intervals with 30 to 45 seconds off. I was like, that is awful. And I did that yesterday, and I'm like, I'm like looking at my watch, and I'm watching it tick, tick, tick. And it was super painful, because it required me to, 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 to not just ah, do whatever I want and just go for it, but it was a necessary discipline to train myself back up in a way that hopefully I'm not lame anymore. It hopefully leads to, to, to healing. That the race we run is not effortless or painless, but ultimately we believe it's something that's productive as we look to Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. I want us to be a people that have a little bit of steel in our spine that aren't just tossed to and fro by any trend of the world, but hold on to the timeless truths of the gospel. Isaiah 54, 17, this, this prophet talking about this idea says, um, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, for you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication comes from me, declares the Lord. Um, I don't want us to worry. I want us to be resolved but not worry. If it looks like we're losing, if it looks like the world's falling farther away from the Lord, that shouldn't lead us to a place of fear. Because it's not our resolve that leads to victory. But rather, we can be resolved because we know that Christ is for us. Christ is not just our sacrifice, he's our advocate. He's not just our savior, he's our champion. Jesus has already won for you. Jesus has already won for us. And so when he says no weapon formed against you shall prevail, it's because the worst the world could do was crucify God. And he goes, yeah, I'll take it. It was bad. It was painful. And then three days later, he rose. And in his power of resurrection, he says, I'm bigger than death. I'm bigger than the worst the world can do to you. I can bring life. And so let's not be people who are fearful, but know that Jesus Christ fights for us. So you don't have to worry like, I'm going to fight for Jesus. I'm going to make sure Jesus wins. Onward, Christian soldier. We're going to take this nation back. Jesus is going to gather all the nations to himself. There is one name under heaven and earth in which men and women are called to be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And so we can be resolved because Christ is for us. So yeah, you might fail on, the, on your no gluten or your workout plan, but just know Jesus isn't going to fail on you. Jesus has already succeeded for you. So we can, we can walk with confidence in the battles ahead, with endurance, knowing that Jesus is for us. And so there's going to always be a lot of temptation to ask yourself, am I on the right side of history? If you are in Christ, know that you are always on the right side of history, no matter what the judgment of the world that is walking away from God says. Because history ends with Jesus' final victory. Um, Jonathan Edwards, um, awesome uh, pastor uh, from a couple hundred years ago, said this um, as he had some resolutions. He said, resolution number one, I will live for God. Sounds great. I'll live for God. Resolution two, if no one else does... I still will. 
praise God that we can look around and say, no, it's not no one else. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We are not alone. There are more faithful churches and Christians in this town, in this county, in this state that we don't even know about. You are not alone. We are not alone. Christ is for us so we can be resolved. And that leads us to our, our last word for, for 2022. Um, and it might sound counterintuitive after I talked about rooted and, and resolved, but it's resting. It says this, um, re- we're resting because we are in Christ. It says this in Psalm 63, 5 through 8. My soul will be satisfied as, as with fat and rich food. Like, well, there goes all my resolutions. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. We are rooted because we are in, because Christ is in us. We're rooted because Christ is in us. We're resolved because Christ is for us. But our position, our disposition, is not one of, of tension and, and battle, but is one of resting because we are in Christ. And so I, I love that we see in these verses that resting and feasting and joy is God's desire for us. That the actual outworking of being rooted, the, the, the result of being resolved, is to be pleasantly resting in the Lord. And he uses this analogy of, of a great meal because there's just something about a meal that satisfies our soul. Good food, good drink. Then what do you do at the end of a good meal? Mm, that was good. Hopefully you've got some good people around you as you're enjoying that meal, right? It's something you do together. I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had some amazing steaks in my life, and I used to get to travel for work, and, and I, would, I would buy a really good steak when I traveled for work, uh, and I'd, I'd eat it, and I'd be in this expensive steakhouse sitting by myself with like one candle. And I was like, oh, the steak's good. And like, there wasn't even FaceTime yet. Like, I couldn't even like, there wasn't even Instagram back then. That was how long ago I traveled for work. So I couldn't even take a picture of the steak and share it. Nobody knew but me, right? But when you enjoy a good meal together, there's a refreshment of your soul. I mean, guys, I'm, I know it seems like a, a million years ago, but like, I'm still buzzing off of Christmas Eve. Like, just this joint packed out, holding candles, hopped up on sugar, everybody hanging out, having a great time. Like, Let's celebrate. Let, let's, like, yeah, we're resolved and we're rooted, but let's, let's rest in the fact that, yeah, if our guys won, then we can, we can be celebratory even in what looks like defeat. That we can rest, that we can close our eyes and sleep well knowing that God is doing a billion more things while we are sleeping than anything we accomplish while we're awake. God is active. God is good. And so the psalmist here says that he can rest at night because he recalls how God has been such a good help and it leads him to, to joy. He says he's singing from, from a place of protection. He can sing, we can sing because we're secure. So we're not, it's not necessarily a battlefield march that we're hoping somehow to, to overcome. No, when we gather together, 
the band's going and, and, and somebody's leading it. We're singing because we know we're secure in Christ. And so we might be rooted and resolved, right? That feels like very much like a, like a doing, active word. But we're resting because we know where our being is. Verse 8 says, my soul clings to you. And I think for some of us, depending on where we're at in our journey of faith and, and, and what our life has been like, whether we've been following Jesus or not, there's aspects and times where we feel like, man, I'm clinging to the Lord. Everything's falling apart around me. This is, this is rough. Like, but I'm going to hold on. And, and, and man, I don't know if I can hold on. I don't know if I'm strong enough. And, and I just, you're not. We're not. I'm not. And so as tightly as we feel like we're holding on to the Lord, the end of verse 8 says, I'm holding you. You're being upheld, not because of how tightly you cling to the Lord. Yeah, my soul clings to you. But he says, no, your right hand upholds me. You are being held by the Lord. We're singing because we're underneath his wings, right? We're in the shadow of his wings, he says, so we're people who are protected. Matthew 11, 28 and 30, we read this a lot here, but that's because we need it to stick in, right? Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like that's Jesus' charge for us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Like that's the outworking of life with Jesus is rest for our souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so when we say when we people who are resting, that doesn't mean we're taking this year off. Right? Nobody's showing up, nobody's giving, nobody's serving. Like, yeah, we're just, yeah, we'll, we'll see you in 2023. No, I, I believe that resting is active and intentional. And maybe like, yeah, but you're really hyper. Okay. I don't think it's an inaction statement. I think it's an identity statement. My identity is resting. It's a disposition of security, yes, but it's also, it's, it's an identity of sufficiency. I'm not enough, but Christ is enough. So, so what I have is sufficient because Christ is in me. We are resting because we are in Christ. I believe firmly that rest is a gift given when our burdens are given over. Right, look back at chapter 11, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, right? Come to me all you who are, labor, who are laboring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn from me, right? Say, hey, give me your burden. I will give you my rest. What's burdening you? What are you trying to carry into 2022 that the Lord has told you, no, no, I've, I've already got that. Give it over to him and receive rest. Rest is a gift given when our burdens are given over. For us as a church, I hope that leads us to be calm. Because like I said, if the world's still going crazy, you know, like by the end of the year, it's going to be an election year again. Ugh, barf. Right, well, the world's going crazy. Let's, let's respond with calm. Let's respond with being rooted in God's word. Being resolved knowing that God is for us. And then, and then rest. Um, for, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. I hope it's 
Maybe it's dialing back work a little bit. Maybe it's, it's getting healthy in, in ways so that you can actually enjoy life better. Um, I will tell you what it's going to look like specifically for, for me and my family for a season of this year. Um, it does mean that this summer, so looking kind of end of May, that, that I'm going to be on sabbatical. So um, if you don't know, I've, I've been in full-time ministry now for, um, this is my 11th year. This is my eighth year as um, being a lead pastor. Um, and so we're setting this church up in such a way. And I, I, I love that last week was such a great example of it. Right? I, w- I was sick. I couldn't, couldn't make it. Curtis stepped up. And, and so we're going to be on sabbatical for several weeks over this summer. And I'm excited for that in some regards, but I'm trying to arrange my life in such a way that if we're running a marathon now, then I don't want to get to sabbatical and be like, you know, passed out at a finish line. But it's a, it's a, it's a brief respite because, because life is a marathon. Ministry is a marathon. And so it's a season of, of recharging and renewal to be able to, to continue to help lead the mission going forward. So I'm excited. We're going to have uh, Matt Nichols going to preach several times. Curtis Hall is going to preach several times. And then we're going we're to be a church that leans into and presses into our network of churches around us and in our region. And so um, there's going to be six or seven other pastors from Acts 29 and from other church networks in our area. They're going to come and serve our church in preaching. And so I'm really excited about that. But my hope for you and for us as a church is that we continue, because I don't think we are this, but that we continue to be a church that's not focused around one person, that's able to, to continue being faithful to the mission, that, that together we're rooted, together we're resolved, together we're resting in Christ. Then at the end of summer, that we, that we look healthier than we do going into it. That we're loving and caring for one another more during that season. And so I just, I want to put that out there and let you guys know that that's coming so it's not a surprise so that, so that as that gets announced or as the details of that come out, you know, like, uh-oh, Christmas be burned out. They're just putting them out to pasture for a while. No, this is an intentional part of our rhythms as a church that is actually, I think, what at this point, about three years overdue. So I'm, um, I love this church. We love this church. If, if you guys don't know, this Sunday... Five years ago today was our first service in this building. And so we're celebrating a half decade of God's faithfulness to us as a church here. And also thinking about, wow, I mean, Marysville First Baptist, that started back 113, 115 years ago. God's been faithful. God's going to continue to be faithful. So we can be resting in what Christ has done for us. So I want you to ask yourself as we close, what's your next step? What's, what's your next step to be rooted, to be resolved, or to be resting? Is it, is it to start serving in some way? Is it to start helping out with hospitality or kids or media or music? Is it to, is it to start giving for the first time, to, to trust the Lord with your finances and say, God, I'm going to give cheerfully, regularly, sacrificially? Is it just like, hey, I feel disconnected. I don't, I don't know anybody here. Right? Like, join the hospitality team. Jump into a fellowship group. Start, start serving or engaging in some way. Is, is it just, hey, I, I need a plan for reading my Bible. It, go to the YouVersion app. There's like a billion plans on there. Start something. Is it to trust Jesus for the first time? And this is, this is your year. They're like, I, I realize that 
I don't think I've trusted Jesus yet. I want to pledge allegiance to Jesus. I want to do that through baptism. Maybe that's your next step. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but I, as we go through this year, I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be rooted because we're going, to, we're going to continue to preach God's word. So we're going to finish up Ecclesiastes here this month. Next month, we're going to jump into 1 Peter in a series called Rooted. I know, ties into our word. Who knew? This summer, we're going to look at um, uh, a bit of the Sermon on the Mount and then what the other preachers are coming in. In the fall, we're going to look at the book of Daniel. What does it mean to live lives uh, 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 as people on exile? What does it mean to look forward to eternity? You don't know the second half of Daniel? It gets a little weird, right? And then we'll come back to, uh, to Advent and we'll be looking at Christmas all over again. Only like, what, 340 shopping days left? Okay. Last verses, guys, and we're done. I love how Psalm 63 closes. It says this. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. We can be rooted and resolved and resting because these verses and, and countless others in the Bible let us know that we have the promise of victory. That we can truly rest with joy when we know that victory is assured, justice will prevail, righteousness will reign. And so guys, there's going to be circumstances that are encouraging. There's going to be people who are baptized. There's going to be new families that join. There's going to be you know, different things that happen that we're going to look around and say, wow, there's greater life. Maybe there's going to be Maybe there's going to be laws that are passed that, that lead to greater justice and righteousness. Maybe there's going to be trends that happen that, that we think lead to greater life and flourishing. Awesome, praise God for that. And there's going to be setbacks. There's going to be darkness and there's going to be injustice. And there's going to be moments where it looks like evil is advancing and people are believing lies instead of the truth. But we can rest and have great assurance that God has promised us that evil it will be vanquished, and he says here that lies will be silenced. So as we go into 2022, when we're rooted because Christ is in us, we can be resolved because Christ is for us, and we are resting because we're in Christ. So we can go into this year with, I believe, great confidence and great assurance. We simply trust Jesus. Let's pray.